Okay, so today we're going to be talking about some basic ways we can improve our aquascaping photography and bring it up to the next level. My day job is a photographer. I uh, shoot for magazines, I shoot uh, portraits, I shoot weddings, uh, I work with models on a, on a regular basis. But let me preface this by saying that the subject uh, trumps everything else, everything else. So if you have a good aquascape, if you have an amazing aquascape uh, and you take a picture of it with an iPhone, that picture is still going to look pretty good because the subject is the overwhelming factor. But if you take that same aquascape and use some of the techniques that we're going to be talking about today and use a little bit better equipment, that picture is going to look a hundred times better and it's going to take the whole thing to a new level. And that's what we're aiming to do. Take this to a new level. So stay tuned. Here we go. Okay, so today we're going to talk about shutter speed, focal length, ISO, and aperture, but not in technical terms. I'm going to assume you already know how to operate a camera and how those elements work together uh, to create an exposure. Today we're going to go a little bit beyond that and talk about how each one of these elements uh, affects the final image itself and how they work together to create uh, the atmosphere and perspective that you're going for in your aquascaping photography. So what kind of camera should I get? Or do I have a camera? Do I have the right one? Um, well. The most important thing is uh, that you're able to manually control uh, all of these elements. So you're able to manually set the shutter speed, uh, the ISO, and the aperture independently of each other. Nikon versus Canon, you know, versus Sony, all that. It, it, it really doesn't matter that much. In our application here, it doesn't matter at all. It's, um, it's really just having the ability to change uh, these elements um, independently of each other. So, right, it's not the camera, uh, it's the operator. And what he does with, um, with these settings that the camera offers uh, is what makes the picture. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is shutter speed, and shutter speed regulates the amount of motion blur uh, in the image, both caused by you shaking the camera and also by the movement inside the tank. Um, now, if you want to stop all motion, uh, you're going to want a high shutter speed. Uh, a good place to start is 500th of a second, maybe a thousandth of a second. Um, that's a good safe point to stop uh, most motion, uh, especially in what we're talking about here. I, I can't imagine anything's moving in fast enough uh, where a thousandth of a second wouldn't stop it. Um, you could certainly go slower than 500th of a second, uh, but 500th is a good starting point. Now you can also use motion blur to your advantage uh, if you want to use it in an artistic way or if you want to uh, show motion in the tank, whether it's uh, with the fish. Say you have a large school of fish and they're all darting around really quickly. It might be kind of cool to see the trails that they make um, and it might elevate that shot into more of an artistic shot. Uh, you can also show the movement, the, wa the water surface movement um, with motion blur and you can soften that by using a slower shutter speed. When doing this, you're definitely going to want to use a tripod uh, and take yourself out of the equation. You don't want camera shake. You want the movement uh, accentuated inside the aquarium. Okay, so let's talk about focal length. Uh, and we'll break this up into wide angle and uh, telephoto. Well, let's use for wide angle, uh, maybe uh, 24 millimeters, uh, 35 millimeter. And telephoto, <clears throat> that would be anywhere from 85 and higher, 100, 135, and 200 would be good telephoto uh, length. 
So how do these uh, affect the final image? How, what, what, what illusions do these create? And the biggest one is um, compression. So with a wide angle lens, um, let's use as an example, you have somebody out in a field and behind them, uh, far in the distance is a mountain range. Now, if you take a head and shoulders shot of this person uh, with a wide angle lens, that mountain range is gonna look very small and very distant, uh, very far back in the distance. Now, if you take that same shot head and shoulders with a telephoto lens, you'll have to back up a little bit. But when you look through that lens, not only are you closer to the subject, but the mountain range behind her is going to appear much, much bigger and larger, maybe even taking up the entire frame if you were using, let's say, a 300 millimeter lens. So if you're taking a photo of an Iwagumi setup, uh, for example, and you want to give the impression that there's a lot of distance from front to back of the aquarium, uh, using a wide angle lens is one thing that you can use. Now, some things that come along with that, when you're shooting wide angle, uh, you're going to be closer to the glass, the front of the glass. So you're going to have the sides reflections uh, in your shot. So that could give the illusion of uh, more distance laterally left and right. Um, you're also going to tend to miniaturize the scape itself in a sense. So in order to combat that, you might want to lower your perspective a little bit, get, get a little bit lower, bringing that like true uh, eye level uh, perspective um, into play. So if you get a little bit lower, whatever's closest to the, to the glass, to the lens is going to appear uh, larger. So say it's a, a dwarf hair grass lawn. Um, that grass up front closest to the lens it may look like tall grass in a field, but as the grass goes further and further back towards the back of the tank, it's going to look smaller and smaller and smaller, giving you that illusion that there must be a lot of distance uh, between your standing point and uh, wherever the grass goes back into the aquarium. What that also is going to do is miniaturize, just like uh, the person in the field, the mountains behind them, uh, it's going to make your hardscape miniaturized. So you have to use that to your advantage. It may or may not work for the uh, for what you're going for in your aquascape photograph, um, but it may be what, exactly what you're looking for. So it, it's really a give and take. But for wide angle, you're going to uh, give the illusion of more distance from front to back. Let's use a forest scape or some sort of sectional scape uh, as an example next. So let's shoot this with a telephoto lens. Now, the first thing is we'd have to back up, right? Maybe go to the other side of the room, uh, possibly. And the first thing is the sides of the uh, aquarium will drop out. So you won't get the reflections on the left and right. Um, and the second thing is the compression from front to back. There's going to be much more compression from front to back. So the distance from the front of the aquarium to the back of the aquarium will be reduced greatly. Uh, so you'll get a much more true to scale um, effect, right? So the plants in the foreground and in the background relative to each other will be very similar in scale. And just like with the wide angle lens, it's really up, it's really your preference. It's really what you're, what you're aiming to do uh, with the photograph. Um, and there's many ways to create these illusions of depth or perspective. Um, I've seen some of these scapes online that have used, um, you know, one, uh, two point perspective or, or uh, I forget the terms, the art terms for them, but you know, to create the perspective with the hardscape itself. 
um, which is cool. So there's a million different ways to skin the cat, as they say, but with uh, wide angle and uh, telephoto, uh, these are the effects that they will give you in your photograph. Now, if you really want to see an example of um, this this perspective and how the background gets larger and smaller relative to the uh, focal length that you're using, um, if, if you've ever if you think back, if you've ever seen like the Alfred Hitchcock movies where, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, the, the, the subject realizes something or is in this tense uh, state of mind. Uh, and there's this vertigo effect, right? There's this weird effect going on. If you go on YouTube and search uh, vertigo effect or dolly zoom, um, you'll be able to see that really quick. And you'll and just pay attention to the background. Pay attention to the background and watch how it zooms in and out and becomes larger and smaller. Uh, and that's the perfect way to see uh, quickly the effect of uh, focal length. So ISO is the uh, sensitivity uh, of your sensor to light. Right. And what is that doing in the image? Well, that is going to basically that that's the biggest gauge of image quality right there. Right. So the higher the ISO setting and your camera, the lower the image quality. Uh, so if you're taking photos of your aquascape and you have a lot of grain or, uh, you know, it just doesn't look that good. Um, maybe your ISO is up too high. Uh, the lower the ISO, the more information is captured uh, in the image, uh, specifically and most importantly, uh, color information, M much more color information. Um, and it's going to be a much cleaner shot with uh, not a lot of noise at all. So you really want to get as low of an ISO setting as possible. If you can get 100, that would be perfect. 200 is good. 400 uh, it depends on your camera. Uh, if you have a nice full frame camera, uh, you're still fine. Um, 800, that's, uh, again, it's now you're, now you're getting worse. So if you have a really nice, you know, good high end camera, you're still probably fine. Uh, but if you're shooting with, uh, uh, maybe a lower end, uh, or prosumer, you know, style camera, um, 800, 1600, you're going to start getting some noise in there. So try to stay as low as possible. Now, aperture in terms of aquascaping photography uh, is going to determine how much is in focus in front or behind your focus point. So uh, f-stops are, you know, how we refer to them uh, in the settings on, on your camera. So an aperture uh, that's wide open, let's say f1.4 or 1.8, and you're focusing on a rock in the center of the aquarium, uh, very, very little in front or behind it is going to be in focus. Uh, it's going to appear out of focus and blurry, uh, and it's going to create an effect that's called a bokeh which is if you've ever seen those out of focus uh, shots of Christmas lights and they just look like big blur, uh, light blurs behind, um, you know, whatever they're taking a picture of, that's what bokeh is. So it starts to create that uh, inside. It'll it'll create the create that effect inside your aquarium. But if you want the entire uh, aquarium in focus from front to back, you're going to need a much higher f-stop. So you're in when you're using a wide angle lens, you probably want to start around f8. Uh, and when you're using a telephoto lens, you'll probably want to start at around F10, F16, and uh, maybe even up to F22 to get uh, the entire front to back truly in focus.
Just as a quick side note on lenses and lens quality, um, how is that going to affect your image uh, as far as an aquascaping photo? Um, and probably one of the biggest things is going to be uh, contrast and color. So uh, the cheaper the lens, you might lose some contrast and you might lose um, some color accuracy. Uh, and some of the more expensive lenses, you'll get you'll gain back that contrast, sharpness, and um, and color information. But luckily, you can adjust all of those things in Lightroom or in Photoshop uh, with no problem. So um, my guess is for this application in aquascaping photography, you do not need to have the best of the best to still get a very good shot. Now, the element that really regulates uh, how much control you will ha ultimately have over the shutter speed, ISO, and aperture is the amount of light that's available to you. Now, if you're you, now if you don't have enough light, um, you may have to go with a slower shutter speed than you'd like, maybe a higher ISO uh, or maybe a lower f-stop. So. What you really want to aim for is having enough light to uh, get optimal settings in your photograph. Now, I won't go into lighting too much here in this episode, but um, that is definitely going to be uh, on the list for a future episode. We're going to go into uh, lighting, how to get you know, optimum lighting, um, how to do background effects, uh, and also getting into off-camera strobe lighting, um, which I think is how you can really get an optimal, very high-end uh, photograph of your aquascape, especially if you're going, if you're doing it uh, for a contest. Um, I think strobe lighting is the way to go. Uh, you'll have the ultimate control, not only over the shutter speed, ISO, and aperture settings, but also uh, over the direction of light uh, the, and the quality of light. Um, so I think that's the way to go. So that's uh, what we have to look forward to in the future. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this episode here. Hopefully I give you guys some things uh, to think about. Hopefully you're thinking of these uh, elements in a new way, shutter speed, focal length, ISO, aperture, uh, and hopefully it helps you out when you take your next aquascaping photo. For more information and show notes, go to aquascapingpodcast.com. And feel free to leave uh, feedback there or send an email to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Uh, we'll see you next time.